Guys, grab your Bibles and you can uh, return to the book of Hebrews with me, and we'll start there in just a minute. Let me uh, say a couple things while you're, while you're turning. Uh, something that was not mentioned is a new members class, a new members class next Sunday. We have, um, we have four new members classes per year, and this will be number three for 2016. It'll be next Sunday, uh, 345. Uh, you, you go through it, you're not obligated to anything, uh, but if you're ever thinking that maybe this might be a place that God has led us, then you've, then you've got to go through this membership class. It's about two hours and 20 minutes or so, um, and there's a nursery, and uh, we'd love to have you. And again, once, you're, once you've completed it, you're not obligated to anything, but um, it is required should you ever be led to join. That said, let me say this. Last week, I, I stood before you, and um, because we were all shook, we were all shook at what had happened in Dallas and uh, other places like Minnesota and Shreveport, and um, all wondering what was, what was coming next. And then, of course, uh, Sunday night, when the bridge was closed and meetings all this week, and then, of course, everything got so much better. We, uh, we had a maniac drive a truck uh, into a crowd and kill 84 people. And then, of course, we've got a small problem, you know, the coup in Turkey. Everything's fine, y'all. Everything's just fine. You know better. And you know we're all at a, there's a, there's a sense of dis-ease among us. And um, oftentimes we, we look to the wrong places, and I, and I would say to you, government is the wrong place to look. And yet, uh, the government of this country, we think, so many of us do, is broken. Broken, n- n- not beyond repair, but broken, and we would love to see changes. We would love to see uh, things done that were more supportive of righteousness and, and biblical truth. Um, to that end, we have an election coming up in, uh, uh, on the 4th of August. I think it's the 4th. Uh, anyway. And then we got one in November, and I hope that you won't sit out. I I, I know the temptation, but I hope you won't sit out. But the one in August, um, there is a a, a fairly important office, among others, that is going to be decided, and that has to do with Congress, uh, the House of Representatives. And one of those men that is running for that office uh, is among us this morning. Um, the others are invited, but uh, Brian told, uh, chose to accept our invitation, and I wanted you to meet Brian Kelsey. Brian, would you stand up? Um, guys, uh, his um, party affiliation is of no interest to me. Uh, what is of interest to me is the things for which he stands. So here's what I'm, I'm challenging you to do. Um, he's in no hurry. Um, he, he, he said that the Piccadilly line will be smaller at 1.30 than it will be at 12.30. So if you would like to ask some questions and ask uh, yada, 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 you know, get him before he leaves. He's not going to run out of here. So go express all of your political frustration um, or ask whatever questions you like. Uh, I'm sure Brian would really appreciate all your anger. Um, <laughs> But he is here, he is visiting with us, and I thought you might at least need to know that he's here and you might get him on the way out. Okay, thank you, Brian. Thank you for coming. Okay. <clears throat> Brian, they've never clapped for me twice and I've been here 26 years. 
Okay, guys, you follow as I read, beginning at verse 11 of chapter 7. And guys, understand this. Um, I just want to prepare you. This is a very complex passage of Scripture. I'm going to try to sort it out for you and make it a little bit clearer, but uh, gird up the lens of your mind as I read it, and then we'll comment on it. Here we go. Uh, Hebrews chapter 7, verse, verse 11. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek rather than one named after the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe, from which no one has ever served at the altar, For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah. And in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. On the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness, for the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath, for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath, By the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, this word, this endures forever. Guys, um, it is my hope that one of the uh, end results of studying the book of Hebrews is that you will have a greater interest in and appreciation for the Old Testament. Um, Whoever wrote this book, and we we certainly are not sure who wrote the book of Hebrews, whoever he was, he was an expert in the Old Testament, and, and he uses it, that is, he uses the Old Testament, especially for his Jewish audience, but for us as well. He uses the Old Testament to establish the supremacy of Christ that's right he uses the Old Testament to establish the supremacy of Christ now guys um, in this particular section the the specific event or the specific issue that is in view here is that Christ is greater than better than the Aaronic Levitical priesthood that's what he's trying to establish, is that Jesus Christ is greater than, better than the Aaronic Levitical priesthood. Now, okay, what is that? 
Let me, let, me, let me try to define for you what that term means, the Aaronic slash Levitical priesthood. What is that? Okay, guys, let me, let me give you a little bit of Old Testament history to, to define it. Um, you recall, I'm sure, that Israel had what they call three fathers, three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob uh, ended up having 12 sons. You remember that? Uh, he had 12 sons by four different women, uh, the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, you know. But one of those 12 sons was a guy by the name of Joseph. His brothers hated him, uh, sold him into slavery. He ends up in Egypt. Joseph, one of the sons of Jacob. Uh, Because of a famine uh, in that region, uh, Joseph's family, living back in Canaan, were starving. And so they go down to get some food from Egypt. And they end up moving their whole family down into Egypt to to withstand this, this famine. But then time passes. A couple hundred years pass, and um, Joseph is dead, and his whole family is dead. But that family that had moved down there because of the famine has grown into a nation. A nation living inside another nation, uh, the nation of Israel living inside the nation of Egypt. And Egypt didn't like it. Uh, They wanted them out, and, and, and they began to persecute them, you may recall. And then um, in that nation of Israel, there was a couple, a little married couple, both from the tribe of Levi. Remember him? He was a cad. Uh, If you want to read that, read Genesis 36, or 36 this afternoon. But Levi was a cad. But uh, Levi was a tribe, and two descendants of Levi got married. Uh, Amram and Jochebed were their names, and they have a baby. And that baby boy is named Moses. And then they have another baby. And that baby boy was named Aaron. And then they have another baby, and that's a girl. And her name is Miriam. <clears throat> and, and through a few stops and starts on the part of um, Moses, he ends up coming back to Egypt to lead Israel out. Remember after those 11 plagues? You remember all that, that, that dramatic period where um, God stretched forth his arm against Egypt? And ultimately, Moses leads this bunch out of Egypt and on their way to the promised land. Are you still with me? Uh, While on their way to the promised land, which takes 40 years, by the way, um, God specifies, makes known the way that he will be worshipped. That is, the way that will be acceptable to him in terms of Israel's public worship, God himself stipulates how that is to be done. Um, One of those stipulations was that the publicly or the leaders of the public worship of Israel was to be led by the tribe of of Levi. Remember that? The Levites. So God chooses one out of those 12 tribes, those 12 sons of Jacob, who's long since dead. He he takes the one tribe, Levi, and says that these guys are going to be the ones that are going to lead Israel in public worship. Out of that one tribe, he chooses one family. And that one family, the family that are 
is of the tribe of Levi, but the one family is of the family of Aaron. You remember that? And Aaron is to be the one, or the family of Aaron is to be the one that provides all the priests. Got it? It's called the Levitical Aaronic Priesthood. (laughs) And the author's purpose in this section is to demonstrate that there is now one who has arrived um, that is better than, greater than, replaces the Aaronic Levitical priesthood. All of those, those religious leaders of Israel that have come from the tribe of Levi are now upstaged and set aside by this new priest that has arrived on the scene. And thus, he is greater than, better than, the Aaronic Levitical priesthood. And that's his point. So if I, when I was reading that, if you were all confused about, I wonder what that says, I don't want to, I'm going to do that. Well, that's the point. The point is he's simply trying to establish that Jesus Christ is greater than, better than, the Aaronic Levitical priesthood. That's his point here. Um, because these guys, these Levites, who have for centuries been out front in the religious observances of, uh, of Israel, now there is someone greater than Aaron who is on the scene. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, you could call the book of Hebrews the, the, a book about the betterness of Christ. He's better than the angels, chapter 1. He's better than Moses, chapter 3. He's better than Abraham, chapter uh, uh, 6. And then now, here in chapter 7, he's better than Aaron. Jesus is better than Israel's best. And so in this little section that I read you, 11 through 25, the author is comparing Christ's priesthood with the priesthood uh, led by Aaron. Okay? That's That's what's happening here. Now, why is it that the Aaronic priesthood failed? Why is it that they were inadequate? Why is it that they couldn't get the job done? There were a couple of three things. First of all, they had flawed priests. Um, You remember, I've told you this before. In the first class of priests, there were five of them. Aaron was number one, and Aaron had four sons. Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. So that was the first class of priests. Well, uh, Nadab and Abihu, they did a bad thing. You know, they offered strange fires, remember? And uh, fire came from heaven and consumed them. And then their daddy, Aaron, he did a bad thing. He and his sister Miriam led a revolt against Moses, and as a result, God strikes Miriam with leprosy. That was bad. So the point is, out of the first five, three of them, um, didn't do so good. Um, in fact, did positively bad. So 60% of the first class, mm, not so good. The, the, and then you come to Eli and his two sons, Hophni and Phineas. They were all priests. Hophni and Phineas were downright scoundrels. Oh, the things that they did are unmentionable in a, in a, in a mixed audience. It was awful what those two guys did. So the point simply, one of the reasons that that other priesthood 
was so ineffective and impotent is because they were so flawed themselves. The other, another reason that, that they never got the job done is really pointed out in chapter 10, verse 4, when, when the author says, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Oh, that was big. That was big to a set of Jewish ears. What? After all these centuries of shedding all that blood and to be told that the blood of bulls and goats will not take away our sins? Oh, my gosh. All those sacrifices were flawed. They were no good. They, they were ineffective. They didn't work. So you got, you, got, you got ineffective priests and you got ineffective sacrifices. And then the other thing that this text points out is that there were so many of them um, and that they um, were temporary. That is, um, they were short-term because mm, they died. Aaron died. It was, um, uh, they, 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 their priesthood didn't last um, it, was, it was a temporary thing because it was intended to be temporary. It was, to, it was intended to be a predictor of another priest who would come later and would get the job done. But the Aaronic Levitical priesthood was intended to be set aside ultimately when the, when the real priest got here. So, ineffective or broken priests, broken sacrifices, and a temporary priesthood. Now, compared to that, what the author is doing in this section is comparing Christ's priesthood with that. And he says two big things about Christ's priesthood compared to them. First of all, um, this new priest, Jesus Christ, he comes from a different tribe. He didn't even come from the tribe of Levi. It says that um, uh, over in verse uh, 14, uh, for it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, not Levi. And, he, and in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. Oh my goodness. Moses had told us that all the priests were supposed to come from Aaron. But this priest didn't. He came from a new tribe. And then the text goes on to say in verse 17, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Oh my, Jesus comes from an entirely different tribe. Um, and one of the distinctions of his priesthood, you're told in verse 17, is that you are a priest uh, forever. Look at verse 21. Uh, but, but this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn in you and will not change his mind. You are a priest Forever. That other priesthood, that one that was headed up by the Aaron and all that, oh, that was temporary, but not this one. That one was intended to be temporary. It was designed to be set aside. But this new one, this new priesthood, oh, he is a priest forever. He's after the order of Melchizedek, and the Lord has sworn and he won't change his mind, that he'll be a priest forever. And the result, look at verse 22, this makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. That other priesthood was set aside. Now it's been replaced by a priest who guarantees a better covenant. He's already said in verse 19, he's got a better hope. 
Now he says he guarantees a better covenant based on this, on this being a priest forever. Now, his being a priest forever is made possible because of an endless life. Did you see that, guys? Look at verse 16. Um, who has become a priest not on the basis of legal requirements concerning body, but by the power of an indestructible life. Um, look at verse 24. But he holds a priesthood permanent because he continues forever. He says it again in verse 25. Uh, that he lives to make it himself, since he lived since he always lives. Gang, the fact that this new priest has an endless life means that his priesthood is not temporary. It's going to last permanently, forever. He will have no successor, nor does he need a successor. And all the priests that have come before him couldn't get the job done. And that's what sets him apart. He's set apart because his priesthood is a permanent one so that he could get the job done. What job? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Guys, all of what I've said here to four this morning brings us to verse 25. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, there aren't many verses in the New Testament that are huger than verse 25. Look at it. Consequently, or therefore, because he is a priest forever, based on his endless life, Consequently, he is able. The previous priests were unable. The previous system failed. The previous uh, uh, priesthood was unable, but he is able. Able to do what? Look at it, ladies and gentlemen. He is able to save to the uttermost. Gang, I, I hope I don't bore you with, um, with a lesson in the Greek language. But the Greek language is so important and so meaningful at this point when it says he saves to the uttermost. Um, his the language or the, the Greek phrase that is translated there is this one, aistopantales, aistopantales. And, and, and if, I could, if I could just tease that phrase out a little bit, that he is able to save into the perfect. He was, he's able to save into the complete. He is able to save into the everything, to the absolute, to, into all times thoroughly. He is able to save. 
There is no time, ladies and gentlemen, that Jesus cannot save. There is no amount of sin that that can thwart him. He has merit galore, and he will never run out. Guys, do you remember that that story in in, um, Matthew chapter 15? where the Canaanite woman comes to Jesus and asks him for something, and Jesus is really brusque with her and says, uh, listen, lady, um, uh, it's not good to give the food that it's intended for Israel to the dogs. And then she says, yes, Lord, I understand that. But even the crumbs that fall from your table is enough for me. Even if I can only have the crumbs, It's enough to save all of us Gentiles. He saves to the uttermost. He has merit that is inexhaustible. That will never run out. And even crumbs are enough. No amount of guilt. Your guilt. No amount of guilt can stop him. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I've thought long and hard of as to whether I should make this next sentence. But I'm going to. It doesn't matter what you Because this priest is able to save to the uttermost. You know, Paul called himself the chief of sinners. And even the chief of sinners is not beyond the reaches of his grace. No one, no matter what you have done, Have you moved beyond the reaches of his saving grace? You know, guys, have you ever wondered, has God had it with me? Is God fed up with me? Has he had it up here with me? And then you're in bed one night and your conscience begins to operate. And you begin to think, I mean, even after what I've done, And then Satan gets in the mix and accuses you and says, surely you don't think after what you did that you're going to be all right. Gang, the point of Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 is that he saves to the uttermost. You will never go beyond the reaches of uttermost. Guys, listen. You can never be kept out of heaven. 
because of your badness. But you will never be allowed into heaven because of your goodness. This priest and his sacrifice for sin saves to the uttermost. Aisto Pantales. Now, look at the text. For whom does he do that? For whom does he save? It says, those who draw near to God through him. Guys, do you know what you've just read? You've read it before. You read it back in John 14, verse 6, when Jesus says, no man comes to the Father but through me. And now you're reading it again. There is no true approach to God except through Christ. Let me say that differently. If Jesus is not your Savior, if Jesus is not yours, neither is the Father. How can you be so fooled as to believe that Islam, the God of Islam and the God of Christianity is the same God? Islam despises this Christ, ladies and gentlemen. And this Christ has just said, he saves to the uttermost those who come to God through him. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the better covenant of verse 22. That is the better hope of verse 19. And notice the text goes on. Uh, do those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession, for them, there is a living, ongoing, everlasting intercession. For whom? For them. Who are they? Those are the ones who come to God through him. Satan accuses, your own conscience becomes your enemy, and the Son of God steps forward and says, Father, I know he's guilty. but he's also mine. Guilty, yes. Blood-bought, yes. And he continues everlastingly that eternal intercession for those who come to God through him. Guys, you know, there's a text that we use around here a lot when it comes to weddings and we speak to husbands and telling them to love their wives and it goes like this. It's Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In his priestly work, Jesus Christ gave himself up for her. 
in his intercessory work, he gives himself up to her, the church. Guys, um, Jesus doesn't save you and then leave you. Now, two quick things and I'm done. Do you know what this says about Judaism and what's left to Judaism? Judaism has no high priest. Judaism has no temple. Judaism has no sacrifice and has no altar. And so they are left only with moralism, moral reform, do-goodism. Go out, everybody, and be your own priest. Go out and save yourself by living a good life. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the religion of this planet. Go out and save yourself. Who, Who needs a priest when I can be my own? The problem with your do-goodism is that it will never wash away your sin. This text also says that you are either drawing near to God or you are moving away from him. You're either coming close or you are getting far. Every person in this room is either drawing close to God through Christ or you are moving away from him. I am not capable of knowing which one of those things is true about you. But you are. Our Father, would you um, would you remind this audience as well as the world that the only way that any man will ever be reconciled to a holy righteous God is through this great high priest whose name is Jesus Christ the one who is able to save to the uttermost and then lives on to intercede for those who draw near to the Father through him Lord would you um, Would you make that very plain and clear to every soul that occupies a seat in this room? That they might understand that they are either drawing nigh to you through Christ or they are moving away from you. Would you help them identify which of those is true about them? And then, Father, by your sovereign grace, Open their eyes that they might see the beauty of this this great high priest who is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, Jesus of Nazareth. We pray, of course.
in his name. Amen.